The Zaddy Zone, welcome to the Zaddy Zone, Zaddy Zone, welcome to the Zaddy Zone. Hey, it's me, it's Zaddy. I've been eating Kalima salt for the last few months, and damn, let me tell you, it is the flakiest, most delicious salt ever. The perfect finisher to any meal. Flick it on like that salt bay guy. You know that guy where it comes off his forearm? There isn't a meal I wouldn't put it on. Steak, pulled pork, I put it on cookies, even ice cream. Kara, who's a huge flaky salt fan, she was using this other brand. She is now obsessed with this brand too. Why? Because it blows it out of the water for flakiness. It's also very good for you. If you've listened to my episode with Dr. James Nick, aka Salt Bay, I would call him Salt Bay, then you would know. It's free of microplastics that are in many sea salts because it's harvested in the Kalima Salt Flats in Mexico. Now, visit Zaddy Salt. Dot com. Yes, that's right. Zaddy Salt, Z-A-D-D-Y, Salt, S-A-L-T, dot com to redeem your free bag of Kalima Sea Salt. Yes, you get a bag for free right at the beginning. Go and check it out. XOXO, Zaddy. Nazanin Noor is an actor and writer. She's been in shows like Madame Secretary, Criminal Minds, and in the Broadway production of Wish You Were Here. But we're not here to talk about acting today or entertainment. In recent months, you've probably become aware of women in Iran fighting for their freedom. It would seem that there's a revolution afoot. Nazanin has been a loud voice over the last few months. She's been on countless news shows and she took over Ellen's Instagram. I wanted to get her on the Zaddy Zone to give us a rundown of what has happened, why it's happening, and what we can do to help. Nazanin, g'day. Hi, thank you for having me, Luke. I really appreciate it. Of course, you know, there's a part of me that wishes that we were talking about acting and entertainment, but there is some some serious stuff going on in the world and seems to have really overtaken your life. You know, only a few months ago you were posting funny content and now it's 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 all focused on this. Can you tell us a bit about how this really began with Masa Amini? Yeah, just to give a little brief, you know, the cliffiest of cliff notes for those who don't know much about Iran. Um, so Iran changed from a monarchy to a theocracy in 1979. There was an Islamic revolution. It was led by the Ayatollah Khomeini, which a lot of people might be familiar with. Um, and then Iran changed into a theocracy. Uh, everything changed. Uh, you know, women's rights were taken away um, and things became very different uh, living under the Islamic Republic. So there's been this 43 years of oppression that's been happening in the country, um, exacerbated by, we had a war with Iraq for eight years. We had the hostage crisis when the um, revolution started, which ended diplomatic relations with the US as well. So there's a lot that's happened to get us to this point. We've had so many uprisings in Iran. Some of the most notable ones just of the last decade or so happened in 2009, which was called the Green Movement. Um, There were presidential elections taking place. Uh, in Iran that year, and there was a reformist candidate named uh, Musavi, and he was up against Ahmadinejad, who eventually won the presidency. I happened to be in Iran during that time. I got there two days before the election, and then I saw the subsequent fallout of uh, what was happening. You know, the elections were rigged and fixed, and there was this huge uprising and demonstration. Lots of people were killed and jailed beaten and tortured um, throughout this. So the government quashed the protests. Now, these uprisings have happened every few years in Iran, and it's kind of always the same playbook where the government comes in and just kills with impunity, jails, beats, tortures people and their families um, to silence them, threatens them with a bunch of things. People have to come and do forced confessions on state television, et cetera, stuff like that. So they've been happening more frequently in the last five years. There was uh, the most, uh, you know, the most notable one of the last few years was called the Aban protest, which is 
we just started the month of Aban in um, it's November in in Iran um, yesterday. And so what happened in Aban? It was November 2019. Uh, this, there was another uprising. It was sparked by high fuel prices, uh, subsidies being taken away for fuel. But mm-hmm. the, what it really quickly turns into is anti-government sentiment because people want the regime gone. So there's always something that sparks it, but then it quickly turns into, well, we actually just don't want this regime. Um, and 1,500 people that we know of were slaughtered during that uh, month of these protests. So then now we fast forward to um, September, I believe it was 14th. Um, so there's a young woman named Massa, Gina Amini. And I just want to note that the reason that you see Gina is because she was of Kurdish descent. And ethnic minorities in Iran are also severely persecuted as are religious minorities. And so uh, Kurdish people are part of that. So you're not allowed to have certain names in Iran. You can't be given certain names that aren't approved by the state if it seems un-Islamic or you know, goes against the Islamic code in their eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, so Gina is her Kurdish name, um, but she had to put Massa on the birth certificate. Well, she didn't, her parents did, obviously. Um, anyway, so that's why you're going to see that. She was uh, taken in and detained by the morality police. Um, this this body, this, you know, policing body um, has been in place since the Islamic revolution, but it's gone through a few different names. Um, and so for the last 10 or so years or more, it's been called the Gash Ershad or the morality police. Mm. Um, they basically surveil. They'll stop you if, you know, your hair, too much hair is showing from your scarf or I don't know, sometime back in the day, a while ago, you, there were certain nail polishes you couldn't wear and they just kind of change. The rules are arbitrary and they crack down when they want to assert their control when the government wants to assert their control, kind of remind the public who's in charge. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been stopped by them as well. So everybody has a story from being stopped by this morality police. So she was detained. Um, she was taken into the morality police van. She was reportedly from witness account, eyewitness accounts. She was beaten in the head with a baton and her head was slammed into the morality police van um, doors. She was taken to what they call a re-education center, which is a place to, you know, you have to go pay your dues so that you don't, you know, commit this crime again. Mm -hmm. Um, While she was there, she passes out. They take her to the hospital Uh, She slips into a coma and she dies two days later. So this was the spark for the current uprising and the beginning of the revolution that we're now seeing was Masajina Amini's death. Um, So again, that was what sparked it. Mm -hmm. Um, But that it quickly turned into anti-government protests as it always does. And it's been, it's on week six now. So it's a very sustained movement. It's Mm -hmm. not slowing down. Um, As of yesterday, I believe it was around 230 people have been reported killed, but this number is most definitely higher because the government never tells the truth about, uh, you know, deaths. And also those are deaths that have been reported. Uh, we also have young teenage girls that have been going out to protest because this really was a feminist led movement and it's being led by the average age of protesters between 16 and 20. Mm-hmm. Um, these are teenagers that are going out and getting killed in the streets and then whose families are subsequently threatened if they don't stay silent. That's kind of where we're at right now. There's a lot going on. So, of course, feel free to ask ask any questions. But that's how we got to this point. Yeah. So, like, the average day, for instance, today in Iran and these protests that are ongoing, like, what's happening? Are people going out and marching? Are people, you know, taking off the hijabs, letting their hair out? I've seen footage of people dancing in in trains. And I know that dancing is in public is banned for women. Is that kind of what's going on day to day? 
there's a lot of different things going on. There's a lot of moving parts. And because uh, I should mention the Islamic Republic shuts down the internet and censors it or heavily throttles it. So getting videos out and information out is also really difficult. Mm -hmm. So um, some days we get more than others. Um, And yeah, people are protesting in their own ways. There's a lot of student protests that are happening just over the last, um, I mean, it's been happening for the last few weeks, but really we're seeing a lot of videos over the last 48 hours of students in universities. Um, They're chanting, they have people from the regime that are coming in and trying to speak to them and they're drowning out those people with their chants. Um, and it's getting more and more intense. Uh, they are trying to desegregate their eating areas because the men and women are kept separate. So mm. now their former protests all come together and sit together. Um, just a day ago, police forces called the Basij were pushing cafeteria tables against the doors to keep the students from coming in and being able to desegregate themselves and students pushed against it and got in and did it anyway. Mm. Um, and just a couple hours ago, I saw reports of and video from, there's a specific school with girls um, that what they're doing is they're cracking down on the students hard because they know that this is a youth led uprising and movement. And they are really, the Gen Z is really at the forefront of this. They came in, uh, the force government forces came into the school. They asked girls to take off certain clothing so that they could check them. They wanted to check their phones um, and then parents heard what was going on and they came in, the forces are trying to keep them out. So the parents were trying to come in to help the girls, some of which fainted. And we don't know what kind of uh, medical attention they need right now. There's, there's plenty of video of this going around, uh, circulating. Um, and they were keeping the parents away from firing bullets as well as using tear gas. Wow. So this is what's happening. Uh, yes, you, you, there are people. And I want to also point out that the burning of the hijab is because it's mandatory. So Iranians are protesting against mandatory hijab. Um, Mm. That's why they're burning. It's not supposed to be anti-Islam. It's supposed to be anti-forced hijab, anti-mandatory covering. Yeah. And these people who are enforcing, like that group that you were just saying, enforcing at the school, are they like an actual police corps? Like they got a uniform and they got guns and stuff? Is that different from the morality police or they're the same? The morality police are different than who shows up at these schools. They, okay. um, there's different forces that come in. So I can't, I don't know exactly who was there today. I would have to look and read about it again. Right. Um, but we have forces, they call them lebas chassi, which is plain clothes. Ah. So um, they come in, they just wearing like, you know, collared shirts and pants or t-shirts, whatever they're wearing. You see them in the streets. They, they come out of nowhere um, with their batons and their guns. And um, it's really scary. They There is a prominent uh, woman who has been outspoken um, and just a couple days ago, we just saw CCTV footage of her walking down the sidewalk toward her apartment and a car pulls up and there's a bunch of guys in it, plain clothes, and they mm-hmm. abduct her. And we don't know where they took her, what jail she's in, where she is, what's happening to her. So this is the reality of speaking out in the Islamic Republic. They're facing literal death. Um, and so for us, the least we can do in the diaspora is to make sure that the spotlight stays on the Islamic Republic so mm-hmm. people see what's actually happening. So what did that woman do, did you say? Has she been uh, videoed um, protesting and that's why they went after her? All I know is that she was said to be outspoken against the government and supporting the current protests. Because I have reports from inside of Iran of people telling me, well, sometimes we leave our phones at home because what there's plainclothes officers standing on the corners because they want mm-hmm. to, you know, make sure that nobody actually breaks out to protest or anything. And they will check your phone to make sure who are you texting or what pictures are you uploading? What are you liking on social media? Is it in support of the protests and the demonstration? So to be safe, a lot of people are leaving their phones at home. 
which is difficult then for us to actually get information out into the world of what's happening. Um, so, yeah. So, yeah, you mentioned that it's a feminist-led movement, but it's also a Gen Z-led movement. Like, it's young people, including young boys and men, are involved in this. Is that right? Yeah, and you see a lot of different sectors of society coming out to support. You know, it's not, there's definitely still people that, that, that are of all age groups that are supporting. There's really sweet videos of older generation, like, grandparents ages that are trying to support in any ways they can uh, uh, people uh, grandparents uh, who have lost uh, or children or grandchildren to the regime and um, there's some protest videos of like 80 year old women who have never taken off their headscarf and they're taking it off in protest and solidarity with the movement so um, we, we're seeing uh, over the last week and a half oil and petrochemical workers, are striking. Um, so you're seeing different sectors of society joining together in this protest movement. So, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Uh, one thing that really led me to want to talk about this, um, and seeing what you were doing was seeing that certain news organizations weren't reporting on it at all. And then New York, the New York times lying about why it was happening. And that's why I really wanted to, have you on and really talk to you because it's interesting and why why do you think that that's happening why aren't certain news organizations talking about it and why would the new york times falsely represent what's going on over there do you think so i feel that i was very upset when i saw that new york times article mm -hmm. um and i will say this there is factual information in that article yes mm -hmm. the economy is bad yes things are bad for people in iran um due to financial constraints, but that's not the entire picture. That was the problem I had with it. It was like, you're taking one issue and just ignoring the other 20 things that people were saying they want. The main chance of this protest after woman life freedom, you're going to hear Zan Zendegi Azadi. That's the main, that's a battle cry, right? And the next two things that you hear are death to the dictator and death to the regime. And none of that was explained in this New York Times article. It was kind of framing it like, well, the economy's bad and sanctions made it worse. And this is why Iranians are out in the streets. And it's just not, it's, it's very misleading is what mm. it is. Your guess is as good as mine is why they do it. Um, but... I have seen some better coverage over the last week and a half. And I, I've seen some organizations that have, you know, reached out to me or my friends that are trying to disseminate accurate information. But for the most part, it's still not talked about as much. And I feel like a, a lot of people aren't giving the entire picture of what is happening and what Iranians are asking for. I mean, the special envoy to Iran, Robert Malley, had a tweet a couple of days ago that said something, something along the lines, I don't remember it verbatim, that you know, we're supporting the Iranian people and that are demanding for their government to treat them with dignity and respect. And we were like, that's actually, they're not asking the government to respect them. They're asking the government to go, you know? So yeah, it's stuff yeah. like that. It's like little things of like, well, of course they want dignity and respect, but that's, they're not out in the street saying, we want respect. They're saying, that's the <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's things like that. Make us pause. Yeah. Uh, well, if I was to guess why, the New York Times would not want to report accurately on this. It would be because they really don't want to seem anti-Islamic and they're really trying to be trepidatious about how they walk around that subject. Wouldn't you agree? Um, I don't know if that's the reason why the Times did it, but I think that one of the reasons there are people that are slow to speak out that we've noticed um, and in speaking mm. to people in Muslim communities, people who are Muslim who have a platform and we've talked in private about why, guys, why are you not supporting Iranians? Um, one of the things that we keep hearing over and over is 
sorry, I don't know who that was, um, is that their, their followers, their mm -hmm. base, um, may be taking this as anti-Islamic because they're not understanding the separation. Um, yeah. and it, it's really important to get people to understand this is an uprising against the Islamic Republic, against this theocracy, against this yes. brutal dictatorship. It's not against the religion of Islam. So that's an yeah. important thing to note. Um, yeah. and I also do yeah. feel that because there's there were talks about um, the JCPOA, which is a nuclear deal with Iran, because that's still been something that's been in the orbit for the last few months that there's, I'm sure, people, organizations, officials that don't want to rock the boat on that. So mm -hmm. they feel like they can't come out too hard against what's going on so that that doesn't get, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Yeah, dismantled or doesn't, doesn't get in the way of what's going on. So there's some big business deal going on between nuclear uh, – well, there was a nuclear deal signed, um, it, you know, AKA the nuclear deal, formerly, formerly the JCPOA, um, under the Obama administration. Okay. Um, and it was made to curb Iran's nuclear ambitions and to put rules and restrictions on what they could and could not do and have the uh, International Atomic Energy Agency be able to come in and inspect and all these things. Trump pulled out of the deal, I believe in 2018. And so ever since then, there's been this back and forth on how the deal could be revived. But Iranians inside of Iran have been saying, we don't want you, you being America, to negotiate with this terrorist regime. We don't want you to revive the nuclear deal. So that's happening in the background as well. Got it. Um, and I think I just, I think it's good to be clear that the reason that news, I think the, the reason that news stations are now reporting on this is because of how loud it is on social media. Do, do you think that's the case? I 100% agree with you because I truly feel, and it's it's just fact, the media will report on the things that are most popular, that are, most people are talking about, whatever's trending as a topic. The Masa Amini hashtag is now the most trending hashtag in the history of Twitter. Wow. Uh, that's a fact. And so... The, and that's why we we ask our friends to speak out about it because we know it's important to the movement. It, it, and I know people have been hesitant and they felt, well, how is me posting going to help this movement in Iran? I don't think it will. No, it actually will because it keeps the people of Iran in the spotlight, in the news. They keep it trending, which means the media has to pay attention to it and continue to report on it. So it's absolutely integral to the movement. From there, where does it go? So the media reports on it a lot. And then that pushes it to politicians who are like, well, we probably should do something about this, which would be, I don't know, American politicians saying that we're against, that we're no, we're no longer going to work with the regime. Would that be ideal? I think what's happening is, well, no, I think there's, um, you know, Canada came forward and they've sanctioned thousands of members of the IRGC, which are the Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps. So they're and regime mm -hmm. officials saying like these people on this sanctions list are now travel banned from coming back and forth to Canada. We're going to, um, and I know what a lot of Canadians are asking for and Iranian Canadians are asking for um, uh, the government to also identify assets of regime officials in Canada and freeze those and seize them. Mm. So mm. also to make sure that they can't travel back and forth and people are pressuring the American administration to do, to take similar actions and steps as well, identify regime officials and those that are connected to the regime that are able to travel back and forth to the U S freely um, <laughs> travel with them and also do the same thing to their assets where they're seized, um, do the same thing for their families. These are some of the things that people are asking for. 
So, and there's also, there's a petition to the UN to get them to uh, create an investigative mechanism for the crimes against humanity of the Islamic Republic, which would hold them accountable and would take them to trial also in international courts and be able to also freeze their assets in offshore accounts, et cetera, et cetera. Do, do all of the same things that I just said. There is um, an effort that um, just started today that I posted about, about um, the IRI sits on the UN Commission on the Status of Women, which is an absolute joke considering how they treat women in their own country. So we've, uh, not, mm-hmm. not me, but there's a body of people that I am supporting that are trying to get this um, through to the UN so that they can remove the IRI from this commission as well. So there's there's things that are happening. Yes. Yeah. So that what you're saying is that there's lots of things that people can do other than posting about it. They can also help sign these petitions, uh, uh, petitions and Maybe put pressure on their congressmen. Is it good to call politicians? Yeah, putting pressure on your elected officials to take actions to to say, hey, to your senators, hey, I, I'd love for you to talk to President Biden about doing this. And I've, I've just signed this letter and this petition, and I want you all to take action on this as well. You know, we should listen to the Iranian people mm. saying that we don't, they don't want you to revive the nuclear deal, mm. um, things like that. Yeah, that sounds, it sounds good. It sounds like just like getting them to do anything at all in regards to it is a win. Yeah. Getting them good. to do anything at all would be great. Yeah. Next steps from that, it's, you know, we have to see how everything unfolds and um, I'm not a policy expert or anything of that nature, but so I just doing my best to support the people inside of Iran and what they're saying that they want. So these steps that we're taking now are, um, you know, good steps toward the end goal which is to hopefully have this regime go and have Iran be free from the shackles of a theocracy and be able to live under like a secular democratic nation. Yeah, that's my, that was my, my next question is, okay, so there's all these things that are going to, that politically they have the power to do, you know, sanctions and all that stuff from America. What, what needs to happen? Like, what's the ideal situation to happen inside of Iran? Is a revolution that overthrows the government and that they put into place a real democracy? Like, what's the ideal picture for you for Iran? Like, what can happen that's, what's the best thing that could happen? Uh, I would love to see what's happening to continue, because I think that the Iranian people should be the ones that have a hand, and not just a hand, they should be the ones that are choosing mm-hmm. what's happening. They've started this grassroots movement, and they should be the ones that finish it. Um, and so whatever they say they want is what I'm going to amplify that they want, if that makes sense. You know, I don't feel like it's my place as someone who lives in the diaspora and doesn't actually live in Iran to say, well, I think this is what should happen. So if Iranians are saying we want to get rid of this regime, yeah, we should get rid of this regime. And however they say they want to do it, whoever they end up saying they want to bring in or however they want to go about, um, creating this body, this democratic body, then that's what I will support as well. Yeah. I mean, it seems that. That's obviously like a big task because these, the enemy is violent and they'll do anything in their means to make sure that doesn't happen, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, we had just um, uh, last week, there was the world champion climber, Elnaz Rekabi. I don't know yeah. her story. So she had climbed without her headscarf. So athletes abroad are still expected to keep their headscarf on while they're competing. Mm-hmm. She didn't have hers on. She did. She climbed. She did her thing. Um, and then it caused this huge stir and controversy. Um, we didn't hear from her for a short period of time. People were wondering because she was in Korea. Is she are they going to let her out? Is, is the regime going to take her back to Iran? What's going to happen? Uh, so she ends up flying back to Tehran and she gives um, an interview as soon as she gets uh, to the airport. And it 
You know, this is something that happens to artists and athletes all the time. They give forced confessions. She said, oh, you know, it was actually an accident. I didn't have time to put it on and that's what happened. And it's, it was just a miscommunication. And to everybody watching, since we've seen this play out before, it becomes very obvious that this was something that was more likely than not coerced and that mm-hmm. her members of her family were also threatened um, if they didn't stick to this script. And so that's what happened to her. So then we have people, we have human rights attorneys, environmental activists, uh, university students, so on and so forth that are in Evin prison, which is Iran's most notorious prison that holds political dissidents and all these types of people that I just mentioned. Um, There was a fire that broke out over a week ago there, and we still don't have an accurate death toll. And what actually happened to start this fire? Because there's videos showing two things that looked like some sort of weaponry missile or something that kind of flew in and then it exploded. Um, We heard Mm -hmm. thoughts in these videos. There's so much happening. There's some accounts from prisoners too. There was tear gas used on prisoners and they were beaten. And so it's like, we still don't know exactly what happened, how we got here. So, uh, you know, they do any, they use any tactic they can to threaten, to scare and to kill, to make sure that everybody stays silent and they can continue Mm. their power. Yeah. Um, is there a way that is Elon trying to help here? Is he trying to put internet in Iran? He has uh, Starlink terminals. I think you're talking about. Yeah, he um, did. Yeah. He announced that a few weeks ago, and then it was kind of uh, anticlimactic because you can activate Starlink, but you need to have the terminals inside of the country to be able to activate. Mm. So, a group of activists, Iranian um, activists in the diaspora, who chose to remain anonymous have actually gotten those terminals, some of them, into Iran. And there's videos of people activating them. So that's supposed to help um, with the internet service. It's not super widespread, but I do know that there is, there's video evidence um, that they have made it inside of Iran. Okay, great, great. I mean, that's the, the, the free sharing of information will help, I imagine, massively, like in a huge, huge way. Absolutely. I mean, that's, the you know, people who you know, uh, support feminism, women's rights, equality, uh, should all be speaking out about this because we're Mm -hmm. watching crime happen in real time, right in front of our eyes. We're watching teenagers get killed. We're watching people be arrested, beaten, tortured, and jailed, um, for just exercising freedom, human rights, freedom of expression, um, and being, and being quashed. Yeah, exactly. I've seen you talk about this and I just wanted to highlight it because it's uh, I think it's it's true. I see a lot of people posting about what's going on in Iran and kind of me- making it about what's going on here. And I just I always it, it ticks me off because it's it's inappropriate and it's like making something that like they're like and this is why you shouldn't trust the government or something, you know. And it's just like just post about Iran <laughs> and try not to make it about you, about your problems over here. Do you agree? I think you've said that. I think, yeah, to a certain extent, I think because um, there was this dialogue that was happening for the first couple of weeks where it was like, because they're fighting, Iranian women are fighting for choice and bodily autonomy. It was equal Mm. to choice and bodily autonomy for abortion rights, which of course I am 100% pro choice. And so I agree. And if that's the way to get American women to understand what's happening, sure, but it shouldn't be, in my opinion, and in a lot of people's opinion, that it equated because it's not the same thing. Because in America, if you are pro-choice, I'm pro-choice. I don't 
have the threat of walking down the street and being beaten to death because of my belief or because I'm protesting. Yes. When I go to the women's marches and I'm saying my body, my choice, I'm not getting beaten in the head with a baton. I'm not getting murdered. I'm not getting thrown in jail. So that's the difference is Iranian women are dying over this and they actually don't have the same rights here. Technically American women are equal to men. Of course, there's a whole, that's a completely different subject where, you know, in a lot of ways we're not because of wage gaps and all that kind of stuff. I understand, mm-hmm. but it's still not the same as what Iranian women are facing. So I think it's frustrating to see, it's almost like getting the movement there co-opted or hijacked by other movements. Um, right. Again, if it's a way to people to understand what's happening, I'm all for it, but it shouldn't be given the same, it's not on the same level. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um We've become we've been friends for the for a, a few months now, and as I mentioned before, when I first met you, I was like, "Who is this um, <laughs> kooky, funny woman?" I would watch your videos and laugh all the time. And you know, as, as I mentioned, the last few months, you've obviously changed gear. You've had to change gear. You've become out, incredibly outspoken in an amazing way. Um, I wanted to ask you, how are you? How is your mental health? How's everything? with your head are you taking care of yourself yeah i'm great <laughs> um, okay it's it's yeah i mean it's difficult i'm not i'm not great it's a it's a up and down and i think you know a lot of people in diaspora are going through this where we feel really helpless being on the outside uh because we're not actually there with the people of iran and yep. we we see that they're sacrificing their lives so um and of course we all have family and friends there i've been to iran quite a few times i there's just certain things that trigger you to remember what it was like when you were walking down the street and then thinking about what the women and men there are facing as they're walking down those same streets. Um, you feel guilty for the fact that you're here and you have your freedoms and your, you know, brothers and sisters in Iran don't have the same thing as you do. And it's like, like why did I get that? Why am I, mm-hmm. why was I lucky get that? And they weren't, um, which is a motivating factor to continue to always stay outspoken mm-hmm. until they have their, uh, full rights realized. Um, but yeah, I think it's really important to take care of ourselves and to talk to people that also understand what's going on, to release, to vent, to cry, to scream, to exercise, to stay hydrated and well-fed. I mean, these are all things that we need to keep going. So I'm trying. Yeah. Yeah. I'm good. Well, and, and that was kind of my point was like, it must be hard to get off your phone, to get up, to stop watching the news, just, just so you can have, maybe have a good night's sleep. And, um, and, you know, cause I, I saw that you posted this thing about being an Iranian, not in Iran and you just, everyone's on their phone all the time, constantly looking at their cooking on the phone. And I imagine that that would have its tax on, on your mental health. And, but at the same time, like you, it, it's supposed to be hard. This is a revolution. It's going to be hard. Um, but I was just checking in on your mental health, seeing if you're taking care of yourself. You sound like you know what to do. Yeah. I appreciate you asking. It's not always easy to actually implement those types of things, but Mm -hmm. um, I'm, yeah, I'm making a conscious effort to, because it also helps uh, me stay healthy to continue to use my voice and my platform to speak out. If I'm going to, you know, succumb to all of those feelings and emotions then I'm useless to the people of Iran. So yeah. yeah. And you're doing an amazing job, by the way. You know, uh, I've talked before on this podcast about attaching yourself to a certain movement and then, you know, what, what, what your actions actually do, you know, being aware and posting, what does it actually do? And this seems like something that we could actually help with. People can actually help here by posting about this, which I think is really good. And I wanted to amplify 
what you're up to because it's um it's incredible and you know an extra ad- layer of irony um for those you for those of you who've watched my short agent wilson nazanin is in it and her hair is out and luscious and she even licks the nipples of <laughs> of shahab rudbari who's who's who was the director of the project and i just thought it was like the most ironic thing that this was going on in iran but women were fighting for their freedom and you are over here doing this, this you know, raucous sexual comedy. Yeah. And I just, it was very interesting to me. What a, an amazing yeah. time. Mm-hmm. It's an interesting juxtaposition. It is. Going on. Yeah, those things are not lost on me either. Um, also contributes to feeling guilty for being able to be here and actually be free, you know? So it's kind of this, yeah. I feel like diaspora Iranians have a constant battle of feeling um, you have obviously always your pride in your people and your culture and your history. And then you have this guilt seeing the stuff that they have to go through on a daily basis. Um, so it's important for all of us to keep amplifying the voices of the people of Iran. And I appreciate people like you who want to highlight and spotlight what's going on and to tell your listeners and followers that it absolutely helps to stay engaged and to post in solidarity um, because the people of Iran see it as well. And they felt for a very long time that the international community has not really cared or taken interest in their plight. And so for them to see this outpouring of global solidarity over the last few weeks has been um, great for them and makes them feel like, oh, we're finally being heard. This could go somewhere finally. Mm, Excellent. Um, How can people follow you and stay in touch with you? Um, I'm on Twitter under my name, Nazani Noor, and I'm on Instagram under I am Nazani Noor. And I also will, I share and post from, um, from human rights attorneys and activists and people that are giving uh, information from on the ground outside of, uh, inside of Iran as well. Sensational. Uh, Nazanin, thanks so much for joining me on the Zaddy Zone. Thank you for having me. So I got myself a Soma Vedic in the house. I got it about a month ago, and I want to tell you about it because I find this stuff absolutely fascinating. The Soma Vedic is this little circular, colorful thing that you plug in, and it creates a harmonic field in your environment, reaching 100 feet in all directions, penetrating through walls and floors, etc. Now, why do I have this thing plugged in? Well, it's to help me mitigate the effects of EMFs um, coming from you know, uh, electronics or Wi-Fi, etc. Now, this thing does not block EMFs, but rather supports the body and helps bring it back into equilibrium from the negative effects of EMFs. You know, lowers blood pressure, heart rate variability, blood oxygen levels, cellular regeneration, and restructures water, the water that you drink, which improves absorption and hydration. This little thing can improve sleep, focus, energy levels, moods, it even lowers free radical levels. So many customers who suffer from headaches and migraines report significant improvement. There's a 60-day money-back guarantee, risk-free, five-year warranty. And if you're interested in the science, which which is what fascinates me, you can go ahead and I'll put a link to it right here. And you can see the images of water and blood before and after it has been exposed to the Soma Vedic. This stuff is super cool. And as I learn more about the possible harms of EMFs, I'm so happy that I have one in my house. Visit somavedic.com and use code ZADDY at checkout to save 10% off your purchase. That is somavedic, S-O-M-A-V-E-D-I-C.com and use code ZADDY for 10% off. Love you. If you've enjoyed this episode of the Zaddy Zone, I encourage you to subscribe and rate our podcast five stars. And if you feel so generous, please write a review. Say how much you loved it. Um, I only want to provide value to you, and I hope you're feeling some value by listening to it. We're not asking for any money. Just a nice old rate, review, subscribe.
XOXO. Sadie.